0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to Episode 1275 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on Tuesday, July 5th. We're at about 10.30 or so p.m. Eastern time. And uh, as I've been talking about the last few days on this podcast, I will not often, I will not often tell you exactly when I'm recording the show, but with the uh, free agency is what it is, trade market is what it is, and I want to give you the idea, the way of the land, in case something happens on the podcast. But for the most part, it's been pretty quiet, around the, especially around the Hawks the last few days kind of a moratorium, although it actually is the moratorium officially for the, uh, for the NBA, but not a whole lot happening in terms of giant transactions as the NBA awaits the Kevin Durant news for the most part. Um, but I know, I know a lot of national people have been talking about this for a while, but not a lot has happened in the last couple of days. With that said, I have shows on the feed in recent days and weeks, really. It's been very busy since about mid-June on this podcast. And uh, Before we dive into t- to today's show, I will just remind you that we did a crossover episode on Monday with Matt George of Locked On. Kings, Kevin Herter trade, all about Justin Holiday. and all of what transpired with that deal, all the ins and outs of that one. And then last week, full coverage of DeJounte Murray. So that that acquisition has now happened and is now official. Uh, of course, the Kevin Herter trade happened at the end of last week. So news and notes, all that stuff coming up, and uh, we'll, co- we'll cover the rest of what's happened all That questions at the end of the podcast. So we'll dive into a little bit of a shorter episode here on this Tuesday evening, but AJ Griffin is now officially signed by the Atlanta Hawks. That was not going to be really in doubt necessarily, but um, just for record the sake, people kind of asked me what it meant when I tweeted out that, that, that Griffin had signed his rookie-scale contract. And basically, first-round picks are slotted in at a specific draft salary uh, for that for their draft slot. So with Griffin being the pick that he was, middle of the first round, he's actually going to make about $3.5 million for his rookie season, and then next year, about $3.7 million in a year for Griffin. Then at all first-round picks, setups are basically it's two guaranteed years, and then two option year in year four before he did he actually had free agency at the end of that if you were to finish that contract in 2026 but basically not a whole lot of mission is obviously in addition to just having him signed and the comfort that comes along with that is that griffin cannot be traded now for 30 days so if you don't remember this um i won't blame you but it's been a last point but the most famous instance of this Andrew wiggins signed his contract with the cab one overall pick before one signed with the Cavs and then it became a not-so-subtle secret that he's going to actually be traded for Kevin Love at that point, but they couldn't actually do that deal until August because Wiggins had just signed and he was not able to be traded until the end of that 30-day window. I'm not telling you that they're going to trade Edgy Griffin necessarily, but people have kind of asked me like what the Hawks would offer for Kevin Durant, for instance, and Griffin's always a discussion, at least on some level, but uh, record-keeping purposes, he cannot be traded now for 30 days after he was uh, signed to that rookie company. Beyond that, nothing else is a mystery. We kind of have been factoring in his draft slot and that money on my salary projections. All that is now going to be in the mix for Summer League, which begins for the Hawks, by the way, on Saturday in Las Vegas. Elsewhere, uh, Jock Landale, the era that arrived alongside DeJounte Murray in the trade to acquire him from the Spurs. Landale was brought in, talked about him a little bit last week, and now he is not going to be on the Hawks roster, it appears. As we referenced Last week, Landale was a potential opportunity for the Hawks to kind of have a cheap third-center kind of contract on their books. But uh, it has been reported nationally that he has been traded to the Phoenix Suns, and many people have reported that deal happened. It has not been announced at this point in time. I can confirm, though, it was basically a swap for cash in exchange for Landale. People ask me why the Hawks would do that. Number one, they might not have wanted Landale in the first place. That's also part of the calculus here is that they kind of had to have him in the deal for murray on a small 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 guarantee to make the money work perfectly and well, i thought it was a potential opportunity he of course played with the hawks in summer league a few years ago um you know the money aspect is part of this as well does it doesn't really help them on the cap you ask me does that money go on the cap no it does not it's just money in the ownership's pockets on probably covering just his salary and all that stuff so kind of a harmless transaction in some ways Again, guess i've been analysis i record this on tuesday night but no huge impact other Then the Hawks are a third center, which we'll come back to later on in the podcast. But the plan uh, could have been to keep Landell around on the bench, probably wouldn't play a lot. Uh, Capella and Kongwu, but now they're going to have that that will still be available for somebody else. And uh, there you go on that. Also, they could use a two-way contract to go ahead and plug that hole if they wanted to, or they could sign a veteran minimum backup. I'd be shocked if it was more than that. You know, last year they paid more than the minimum for Gorgie Jang, but if you remember that, it's because wu was hurt and everyone knew it. He was going to miss some time going into the season, so the Hawks had to have something a little bit more stable behind Capella. Uh, this time around, knock on wood, Capella and Okongwu both healthy at this point in time, and that won't be necessarily a big, a big enough issue. Um, also, Gorgie Jang not available. People are asking me if he was going to come back on the minimum. Uh, Gorgie just signed with the Spurs, reportedly, so uh, congratulations to him. Obviously, a guy that I enjoyed covering for a brief time, but um, it will not be him. Obviously, coming back and uh, RIP to that era. I know Kevin Chouinard, front of the program, is a huge Gorgie Jang fan. He's probably upset about this about this news, but Gorgie is not going to be coming back to the Hawks, it appears, at this point. Okay, um, from there, the other big news on July 4th, actually, uh, a rare piece of news on July 4th, is that Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Mike Longabardi, I believe is what you say his name, I'm not sure 100%, so my apologies on that at this point in time, will be added as an assistant coach. Hawks with Joe Prunty being promoted assistant job. Uh, the Prunty news, not, not a huge surprise. He is the most veteran assistant on the Hawks roster. He, of course, came in last year after Melvin Hunt and Marlon Garnett left in the wake of the changeover from Lloyd Pierce to Nate McMillan. So Prunty is a veteran's veteran, has been with Nate before, older guy. It's kind of the archetypal uh, number one assistant kind of guy. So not, not a huge surprise there. But Longabardi has previous stops with Houston and Boston and Phoenix, Cleveland, Washington, and Sacramento. Been an NBA assistant for like 20 years at this point in time. Also was on two championship teams, 2008 Celtics and 2016 Cavs alongside, of course, LeBron and Ty Lue on that team. 49 years old, been in the league for a long time. Uh, He's known for his defensive work for the most part, his game planning stuff. I will not ever claim to tell you anything about assistant coaches that I don't know personally, Um, just passing along whatever I can hear and what what I was sort of collect at this point in time. And basically, I will say this, most people, and this includes me a lot of the time, know a lot about assistant coaches um there are guys once they get to, able to get direct intel on those guys and kind of talk to them learn about what they do what their roles are etc gather league intel but if you have uh someone who's like has it's just, it's just a huge opinion on michael michael Mike, Mike he probably doesn't know that much about michael Lombardi, uh, obviously so i think it's important to keep in mind that uh it's an assistant coaching hire he's well respected and when i can gather he's a tw- Assistant Cody, um, this staff, I think, was a little bit under in terms of what you would want last year in terms of just overall heft and craft under McMillan. So we'll see what happens in the future. The Chris Gent loss was a real one in my mind, not like an earth shattering loss, but still something, you know, he took the number one assistant job with the Lakers. That's a pretty big job. And he's, and you're losing that guy, but Longobardi is an established guy for sure. Um, some people that we did not love him in Cleveland, I've heard a few a few different times, but I seems to be valued by a lot of vet, a lot of veteran head coaches. So not a huge surprise that Nate went in this direction, but I do think that uh, he's someone to keep an eye on. People asking about the offense because Jett has an offensive pedigree, and Longobardi is a defensive pedigree coach. That's a reasonable concern. You know, look, one of the concerns with Nate Millen when they brought when they brought him back as the sort of taking the interim tag off of him is that Nate is not known for his offensive craft. He's a defensive coach. He's a culture-building coach, a veteran guy. But just kind of knows, but He's not exactly the most innovative offensive mind. So it would have been a little bit probably better in a vacuum to hire a number one kind of like offensive coordinator type on this roster. But I will say, when you have Trey Young on your roster, you don't necessarily have to have this great scheme guy. Uh, it would be a little bit interesting to see how they run with Trey and DeJounte Murray as those guys play together for the first time. But I think that it's not a huge concern And ultimately, the Hawks defense has been their problem for really the entire Trey Young era for the most part, especially last last year when they were so, so bad defensively. So maybe Longabardi has some ideas to implement alongside McMillan and everybody else on the staff. But uh, we'll see. And that's at least the name that's now out there. And if the Hawks want to, they can just kind of run it back with that same group plus Longabardi in place of Christian if they'd like to do that. Or they can go with somebody else if they want to do that as well. Okay, before we get to a break, I want to tell you about our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Arcade One Up. We have big news. The one and only NBA Jam is back. Arcade One Up is the leader in at-home retro arcade games. And they're not only bringing you the best game ever, they've made it bigger than ever with a Shaq edition machine. I've been a big NBA Jam guy for a while, really a long time at this point, and it's just fantastic. I'm not the only one that actually has this obsession either. I'm proud to tell our audience that you can actually once again play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic, jump across the court, set the ball on fire, one of the first sports games ever to feature real digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Required to you with your friends and family through all new Wi Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. And you can pre order now from RKUp.com. That's rk. The number one up.com. And if you do that, you have Arcade 1-Up is the place for fun. They have classics like Golden Tee, Kombat, and many others. And if you check this out right now, they're giving away a free NBA Jam Shack Edition console to a Lockdown listener. Enter for a chance to win that console for your house at arcade1up.com. That is arcade1up.com. You have until July 8th to enter to win the NBA Jam Shack Edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today at arcade1up.com. Lockdown. All right, and uh, Summer League, for the most part, I'm going to hold off on until later on this week. Um, the Hawks don't play until Saturday, which is a little bit strange because of course you have San Francisco and the Summer League Classic there. That's happened actually already over last weekend. And then right now as I record this, Salt Lake City is happening where the Hawks famously went a few years ago with Trey Young in 2018. Um, but then Summer League in Vegas opens on Thursday, but the Hawks don't play until Saturday. So a long wait for Hawks fans to see their team in action but um, so I'm going to hold off on most of my nows on the roster. The well, Vox did release their official roster over the weekend. The headliner beyond the players is that Nick Van Exel is going to be the head coach of the Summer League roster this time around. Jamal McMillan is on the is on the staff next to him, along with a couple of uh, supporting coaches on the team. A bunch of names that I've already talk, sort sort of touched on that were already re, sort of reported out there and were out there in the ether for the most part. Um, but. Uh, Interesting name that I thought, at least I want to mention now, is Joel Ayayi from Gonzaga, former Lakers draft pick. Ended up being um, on their two way, actually on a two way with them, then with Washington. That's a guy that I've always kind of liked and had him in my top like 40 in that draft a couple years ago. So that's a pretty interesting name to keep an eye on. Also, College Park Skyhawks standout big man, Justin Tillman is going to be on the team. He was very productive with College Park. here. And then former number number six overall pick by the Hawks, Alpha Cava, is back for another run with Atlanta in Summer League. So some pretty recognizable names. And honestly, a definitely a more talented and deeper Summer League roster than the Hawks have had for a while. Obviously, then the attention is going to be paid to A.J. Griffin and Sharif Cooper and Tyrese Martin, as it should be. Those are the guys that actually, you know, quote-unquote, matter. But there have been some lean moments in Summer League the last couple of years if Hawks guy, uh, the Hawks guys kind of just prioritize those top players. This time around, there's some real depth of guys that people might recognize, might know, and there's more talent on this year's group than there has been at times in the past. Um, from there, a couple people have asked me kind of what the state of the roster is. So a quick rundown here of the roster at this point in time, the big league roster, I should say, as of Tuesday, July 5th. The Hawks have 12 players under contract right now. Um, I tweeted a little bit of this stuff um, previously. But Trey Young and Aaron Holiday at point guard are the obvious names. Um, DeJounte Murray, Bogdanovich, Hunter, Justin Holiday, and Aiden Griffin on the wings. Um, Collins, Jalen Johnson, and Mo Harkless at the four. And Capella and Kongwu at the five. Those are your 12 guys on full contracts as of right now with the Atlanta Hawks. Now, no, no huge mystery there. Those are just guys that you can kind of bank on being around unless they're traded in the near future. Then they have Shawnee Brown on a two way contract. Shawnee was brought back last year on a multi on a multi year two way. He'll be back. The, uh, he's obviously a plug and play kind of supporting forward type. Give him some minutes last year, etc. The guy that I like, I actually like that signing quite a bit for a two way contract. Then you have Tyrese Martin, who is his team's second round pick from this year. He is not signed right now, but all signs point to him either being on a two way deal or on a league minimum contract. That's usually what have with second rounds at this, at this day and age. So that's kind of the options there. Shreve Cooper is uh, also probably going to be back. As of right now, though, he's a restricted free agent. So that's uh, I'm not going to go through all the details again on that. I've talked about it a few times in the past. But I do think that Cooper is going to be back on the roster in some form, either on a two-way or back on a real contract. We'll see on that. Uh, Skylar Mays is unrestricted at this point in time, is no longer like a member of the Hawks organization. He can be re-signed by the Hawks, no question. But uh, they have no control over where he goes. That's important to keep in mind as well. I saw some people kind of like penciling him in and they don't have control over Skylar Mays anymore at this point. Also, DeAndre Hunter is extension from his rookie deal. And that could happen anytime between now and October. There's no rush on that. Um, I will say just as a point of reference, whatever happens with, with Hunter on an extension does not actually impact the cap for this year. That's a future facing move beginning for next year as Trey Young's was last year. It did not affect the cap from last year. And now it kicks in for next season. I guess upcoming will as we are now. So from here, the Bucks have 15 roster spots to play with once the season actually starts. They can carry up to 20 guys on the training camp roster, but when the lights come on in October, they have to have 15 guys or less, and really 14 or 15 guys because it cannot be less than 14 guys on full contracts by opening night. So in theory, if all they wanted to do was have the 12 guys they have now, plus Sharif Cooper and Tyrese Martin, they could have 14 guys. That's 14. Now they'd have an open two-way slot. They wanted to use that on somebody else. They could, but they could right now just be done for the offseason. That's possible. Now, is it likely? Probably not, but they certainly certainly could roll into the season with those 14 guys plus Sean D. And that would be the end of that. Um, In my mind, some other potential needs. For one thing, I mentioned this before, but another center would probably be a pretty logical addition for the Hawks right now. Um, It would kind of surprise me if they did not have another guy um, at center. Uh, we saw Gorgi be that guy last year. They, in previous years, they've had some de- some death pieces beyond that. Could be a two-way, could be a minimum guy, but they probably won't spend more than the minimum, but it'd be out of character for Schlenk and the organization to not have a third center option, so keep that in mind along the way here. I think also you can't have too many wings at this point, so they can find somebody else who can really shoot on the wing. That'd be a good idea to find and kind of bring in for some depth because, as a reminder, Bogdanovich is going to have um, a delayed arrival to training camp, potentially, and he's already recovering from uh, issues with his knee, so... I've said this before in the wake of the herder trade, but bogey is very important to this roster. He is by far their best wing shooter at this point, And obviously a guy they really need on offense and just for spacing issues and all that stuff. So uh, nobody that, that they can sign for the minimum would, but having someone else that can shoot the ball sets as an addition to the roster. And then of course they could still make trades. Um, the John Collins chatter is still out there for the most part and it seems more likely that he won't be moved now than it was a week or two ago. He's definitely still available and we'll see if the floodgates start to open when the moratorium ends on July 6th or maybe when Kevin Durant is traded and deals start happening around the league, but um, they're not hanging up the phone on John Collins just yet. Um, we'll see what happens there, but stuff is uh, certainly up in the air at this point in time from there. Um, the salary stuff I've talked about a lot in recent days. I'm going to do one more refresher here to sort of uh, in this down period without a ton of transactions. Like as a reminder, the Hawks have those 12 guys that I mentioned before under contract for about $148.6 million. The luxury tax line is a shade over 150 at this point in time. So technically speaking, the Hawks are quote unquote under the tax right now. But as I said before, the Hawks have to have at least 14 guys on their roster. So when you put in even the minimum slots... For those two players, they go over the ca- they go over the tax, so they are slightly over at this point in time. And without going crazy into the details, it doesn't make a ton of sense to be slightly over, even as someone who's does not really care about the luxury tax. There's such a huge windfall for staying under the tax when you get revenue sharing from other teams that are going over the tax that teams don't generally chew into the tax. You're either going really into the tax or you're not going into the tax, generally speaking. So if the Hawks are in this range, they'll probably duck, probably duck under, and they probably should, just logically speaking. But alas, we will see how that goes. They do have their taxpayer MLE or their full MLE, depending on what the final numbers are. If they want to add to that, with apologies, my answer is the same on that as it has been for a while. On that, It basically, whether they use that exception or not, is entirely on the luxury tax and the willingness to pay it. Because yeah, they can make their team better right now by signing a guy for that $5, 6000000 million contract and helping the roster right now. But if they're not going to go over the tax, they're not going to make that move. So we'll see what happens. And I hate to kind of point in that answer, but for the most part, it really is a simple issue of tax willingness and tax avoidance potentially. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of leave it there for now, but they could certainly add, add another piece in the future. If I had to guess right now, I would probably say that either Sharif or Tyrese Martin is on a two-way contract, but they could both be on real contracts as well. That wouldn't stun me necessarily either to save some money. Also, um, one note is that Tyrese Martin in particular, as a real... Rookie would be on a very, very, very that would actually help them under the ultra tax provisions. He would be the cheapest possible option, would be a second round rookie. So that's uh, notable as well. At any rate, that's a good reset of where we are right now. We'll have some mailbag questions in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. From the people that invest in healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've already probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given the Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment as well. That's right. Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavors that you love are now packaged in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's a fluffy co- cloud of coconut brownie goodness. And stop drooling and listening now. Honestly, they're good for you as well. They have low calories, they're low sugar, high protein, all. Just coconut brownie chunk at a time, so don't wait. Check it out today at Bilt.com. They're going fast. They actually taste amazing, and they have collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently, and they provides a health of benefits. These taste goods also good for you. The best part about built Puffs, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free. That's the best part. I really do enjoy that part of the Bilt Bar experience. And they have delicious coconut-rich sweet brownie and cream and marshmallow. Stop fantasizing today. Get to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built Puffs right now. When you get to built.com, this is what you do. Use promo code LOCK15, 15% off on your order. It's just that simple. Promo code LOCK15, 15% off at built.com. All right, some other questions here before we get out of here on this Tuesday into Wednesday. And the first question comes from Brantley, who asks that uh, he's saw some speculation about the Jazz and John Collins, and there is a rumor there or just speculation after the Go Bear trade. So, first, There is no rumor that I'm aware of from a credible source, any Collins in the jazz. So let's just knock that out right now. There was some reporting early in the process that Utah had some interest in Collins, but that was probably a part of the Rudy Gobert trade stuff. Not definitely, but they certainly might have been calling on Collins probably because of Rudy, et cetera. Now Rudy Gobert is gone to Minnesota. And while we're here, the Gobert package made the DeJounte Murray package look even better value-wise for the Hawks because they paid so much the Wolves did for Rudy Gobert, who is better than Murray, to be fair, right now, but is older than Murray and making double the money of Murray. So a uh, pretty interesting package to, to compare side-by-side between Atlanta and Minnesota. But alas, um, back to Collins. It's hard to figure out what the Jazz are doing, just to be honest. They took a like rebuild-style return for Rudy Gobert with picks and short-term salary but Utah still has Donovan Mitchell on the roster. And there was some immediate reporting from Woj and Tony Jones that like kind of, they want to retool around Mitchell rather than blowing it up. I can still see them blowing it up in the near future because right now Utah, even with Mitchell is not very good on paper. So maybe they have some interest in Collins, but it might have to center on Collins and Mitchell pairing together because those guys are actually kind of friendly. They're in the same draft class. They actually have, uh, they're both they're both guys who are represented by Adidas in a lot of ways. So, that is a a pretty interesting fit in some ways but you know i could go through some some hypotheticals basically the the way that i would see that deal happening if it were to happen would be collins uh, at least in a a two-team deal with utah would be collins for like bojan mcdonovich and something else um bojan is not as good as collins is but he's a really good offensive player he's 33 though on expiring contract making less than collins does as well which probably helps in terms of what their hawks are looking for but defensively he has really slipped the last couple years that would be a huge downgrade even from collins who's Okay defensively to maybe pretty good. Bogdanovich is a lot worse than Collins is defensively. Now offensively, he's a great shooter. That would really help as well. But I think that um, you know, I think the Jazz would have said something else alongside Bogdanovich. I'm not sure what the Hawks would want if it's Bogdanovich or whatever else, because that would hurt their defense. But at least that's probably the most logical thing if they were to just say, look, this is a deal between the Hawks and the Jazz for John Collins. It kind of has to be for Bogdanovich for me. If it wasn't that, it'd have to be like Rudy Gay and like Jordan Clarkson maybe coming back. Uh you know, I'll, I'll leave that alone for now, but I would not love any either one of those packages. At least Bogdanovich, though, I can kind of see it if there's a sweetener attached to him. But that's one of those big overarching kind of changes that you can make to your roster without necessarily having to be better. <laughs> and they probably wouldn't be better in my mind if they actually did that kind of deal. So, one of the things is with the Collins pursuit is that any deal they do right now seems to be directly where the Hawks are looking to have a four back, which I've been saying for a long time. It's one of the things that's hard about training John Collins if they want to that they want to get a starting caliber power and that kind of limits your options because the Hawks want to win now but they also want to be mindful of the fact that Jalen Johnson who they like and who I like you can't go into the season saying that you're going to win now with Jonte Murray and start Jalen Johnson opening night because he's not play, he's not established himself and I I think a lot of Jalen Johnson but that plan that power forward and entering the season that would not be sort of synonymous with what, what, what they're doing between having Capella back with uh, adding Javante Murray, Javante Murray, of course. So you can't necessarily do that. They have to get somebody back that can start the four in a Collins trade, which makes life harder. That's not any new ground necessarily at this point in time. Last thing, question from Wayne, who says he was looking at title odds for next year, and he thought the Hawks might be higher in the order. And he says, am I crazy or is there potential value on Atlanta as a title bet? Um, so, our friends have been online, have been moving odds regularly based on what's been happening out there. And they actually sent an update out on Tuesday as I'm recording this. The Hawks open at 66 to 1 to win the championship. And they moved to 75 to 1 after the draft, but before the Murray deal. Now they're 50 to 1 after making the Murray deal. So, the market likes the Hawks better than they did pre Murray deal, which makes sense, obviously. Um, the same number as the Bulls right now, I think. But there are 15 teams with better odds to win the championship right now in the NBA than the Hawks. Warriors, Suns, Celtics, Clippers, Bucks are the top five. Then Lakers, that's kind of a funny one. Um, Heat, Nuggets, Grizzlies, Mavs, Wolves, with Rudy Gobert, of course. And and then the Nets and the Pelicans are 40-1. to Now, the Nets, without Kevin Durant, no chance. If they still have Kevin Durant, obviously, they'd be pretty pretty dangerous in in some respects. The Pelicans are an interesting team. Anyway, I think there are some fans that I've seen, they're a little bit too eager right now. um, Just because at least in terms of like being an actual contender right now today. The Hawks are better. I've been saying this for a while after the deal. I mentioned this. I'll say it again now for anybody that missed it. This is the best roster at this very moment. The Hawks have had in the entire Travis Lank era. That includes the conference finals run. Now on paper and in practice, not the same thing, but on paper, this is their most talented roster they've had. That's how good Murray is compared to what they sent out with Gallo, et cetera. Now I still don't think this is a team right now today that is good enough to win the East, unless something actually kind of weird happens. Maybe if Hunter like really breaks out, he's kind of the swing piece, very obviously. If he has an awesome season, that might raise their ceiling quite a bit. Or if Murray is just incredibly awesome with Trey or whatever. But 50-1 to 1 is kind of a reasonable number, I think, right now, in terms of like actually win, actual winning the title. I do think, though, that there are some teams that the Hawks are uh, at least as good as or better than that, that, that are actually ahead of them. So I think I'd have the Hawks a little bit higher in the pecking order, to be fair. And I think that once the win, like those win totals come out, like over-unders and stuff like that, the Hawks are going to have some value on their overs this year, I would imagine. Um, I think this is a team that's going to win, win a lot of games this year, especially with their uh, newfound second unit strength with Murray coming back to sort of back up Trey in addition to playing alongside him. And I think that, for instance, I'd have the Hawks for more wins than the Bulls and the Nets right now. You know, they have similar projections. I think, you know, pending KD decision, of course. And I think Atlanta might be as good as Toronto next year as well. Like that's a team that's like right there on the periphery, Clearly, the Hawks have some decisions to make still with John Collins or whatever the rest of the roster looks like. But I think this is a team that certainly can and should be better than it was last year. Um, they can certainly challenge what they were a couple of years ago. The East is better now than it was two years ago when the Hawks made that run. That's also important to note. Like the Hawks beat the number four seed New York Knicks two years ago. That Knicks team would not sniff the top four in the East right now. So the landscape is different for sure. And like, for instance, like Philly has uh, is an interesting team. Obviously, the Hawks beat them in that playoff series, but they're different now with James Harden. PJ Tucker on the roster now, etc. Boston's a lot better than they used to be. Milwaukee's still right there. Miami just beat the Hawks soundly in the playoffs series. Um, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a swing team, but the Hawks are going to have some challenges. But they did pre-Murray trade, and that sort of. I think it's a reasonable projection right now, fifty to one or so. I think that it might rise if they were to make another big move, but uh, I think it's like not insulting, but also the Hawks probably could be a little bit lower potentially. And I, I'll be looking out for, for Trey Young MVP odds in the future, that's for sure. I think that's kind of a sleeper candidacy because if the Hawks do have a top four record, Trey might be a pre-sleeper. The numbers are going to be there always for him, and he's going to be a monster as he was already this year. And I'm also looking forward to Eastern Conference odds because that's actually even more intriguing to see where the Hawks stack up and all that stuff. But we'll get more of that coming up in the future, I promise. Hopefully that is a sort of a tidy, shorter episode of the podcast. Mailback questions, news, etc., we're going to have more summer league coverage. I have an AJ Griffin podcast that I've recorded. It's going to run this week, I promise, at some point. And then uh, maybe some, some summer, summer preview content. And then after every game or so, I'll be recording live from Vegas about summer league stuff. So please stay tuned. Please subscribe to the podcast via platforms of your choice. But Apple Podcasts is an option, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, any of those places. And also YouTube on the video side. Um, subscribe and review and comment, all that stuff on all those platforms as well. I really appreciate the support. Follow me twitter at bt roll and follow the show on twitter at locked on hawk we'll see you later on this week